Hey ladies, welcome to Yes and Amen, where we talk about growing in our faith with biblical truths, real life testimonies, and meditating on God's word. Now I'm your host, Priscilla's Pearl Dominguez. Let's get it. All right, y'all, we are here. Um, another episode of Yes and Amen podcast. Um, I'm really excited for today's guest and today's topic. It's something that really, I think, matters to be talking about. It really matters to me, having worked at churches, um, growing up in the church and leaving the church and coming back to the church. There's just so much to talk about um, church culture and the body of Christ. And that's what we'll be talking about today. And so I'm just really excited to introduce Mo. Um, Mo Isom, a lot of you know her um, from her speaking to her her prophetic words on Instagram, but you know, I'm sure you've seen her in different ways, but she is a New York bestselling author, nationally sought out um, speaker and powerful voice rising up for her generation. She and her husband, Jeremiah, and their three gorgeous little kids live in um, Atlanta, Georgia. And yeah, so this is our guest for today. And I'm so, so excited to have you here. Yay. Thank you so much for having me on. This is a privilege. I, I love, um, Man, sometimes I feel like technology is such a curse, and then other times I'm like, what a blessing, too, yeah. that we can be connecting in this way and sharing, and that even in these really dynamic times, the body can be edified and built. So I'm thrilled. I love the title of this show, too. It's got a little a little something. Yes, and amen. Yeah. I'm here for it. So thanks for having me on. Yes, thank you. And yeah, I was just thinking that was on the Zoom earlier. And I was like, y'all, this is revolutionary. Like God knew this pandemic would happen this year. And he also knew like we would have Zoom and we would have access to all these ways that the world could still stay connected. So how good is he that, you know, although it could seem like there's something that's happening that's removing something that he still was like, he's blessing through it, right? Like we can talk to people across the world now (laughs) in in a way that we hadn't before. Um, So yeah, thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, And like I said before, we're talking about the church, the body of Christ. Um, And you already know here we talk about the truth, right? About what um, what the Bible says, right? The truth is what the Bible says. So not necessarily specifically our opinions, but what Jesus um, is calling us to do, what he is inviting us to do, what the Father had originally planned, right? God has mm-hmm. so much intention and plans uh, for our world. Um, and, and our role is to co- co-labor with him in that and, make, and have them come to fruition through um, yeah. what he's called us to do. So we're going to start just with the first question, which is talking about church culture, right? So you, you're as a speaker, you've been a part um, of a lot of different conferences and events, uh, obviously before pandemic, I'm sure a lot more in person yeah. and you visited churches uh, and I'm sure you've been also a part of your own church communities and, and that's mm-hmm. buildings, right? Like that's the word, this, I would call it the small C, the church, but then there's the church as a whole, which is the big C, right. which is the body of Christ. And so I wanted to talk about, ask you about where what you think about that in the sense of like what the church culture, what church culture looks like now and maybe where it has been before and and perhaps where God is inviting us to shift and and church culture across the board, right? So maybe how we structure Sunday services, how um, we structure prayer, how Mm -hmm. the things that we don't talk about and the things that we do talk about um, during church and things like that. So just your overall, your experiences and also what you feel the Bible and God is saying about it. Right. Oh man, I feel like I could, you know, there are so many layers here to unpack um, very personally on what over the course of about two years ago, uh, two years now that he has been speaking and revealing and unveiling and um, 
and it's been a journey just navigating even on the personal front of all that he's been saying, but I'll, I'll rewind to about two and a half years ago, sort of where a lot of this church culture, church structure concern or, you know, care and even paying attention to it and navigating God, what, what are you really saying or asking of us? Um, it began at a place for me where I had been traveling for quite a while to, you know, church bodies all across the country, um, ministering, pouring out, teaching, um, really observing a lot of different environments, you know, due to denomination or due to the area they were in the country and, you know, the spiritual climate in those places, um, seeing consistent issues, no matter the denomination or no matter, you know, the cultural climate, um, a big one of those being sort of sex and sexuality, that that's what my second book really dove into, but, you know, also seeing varying factors. There's just a lot of observation. And yet I remember going to the church we were attending at that time. I went to a service um, and I remember sitting in the service where there were, it was like a peak time. There were so many people there that were non-believers. You know, it was like high time. Everyone brings people into church. I, I want to say it was an Easter service. And um, I just thought, wow, praise God, we have an opportunity here, you know, for so many unreached to be reached and to hear mm -hmm. the gospel. And I sat in this service and listened to the head pastor share a word that it's like 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and we still haven't hit the gospel. We're telling wow. this extravagant, narrative-based, entertaining explanation of all these things that I'm like, we haven't shared the gospel. And I remember at, at one point, um, he told a, a joke. I'm sorry, I might offend people with some of what I say, but I just am so tired. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is okay. I, it's, this, I, I, it's this middle class white church. And he told a middle class white college football joke. And it was like, rah, rah, rah. everyone <laughs> just started laughing at the same joke we've heard 30 times. We haven't shared the gospel. And in that moment, it was literally like the Lord took me into a waking vision and things just froze. They like slowed to the move of like molasses. And I remember looking around and I'm like moving at real speed, but everything else is almost frozen. And I looked and I began to see two different types of people present. I saw lions and lionesses who were absolutely emaciated their ribs were exposed. They were spiritually intended to be lions, but they were starved. Wow. And I also then looked and saw these fat and gluttonous creatures, just not, not a pretty picture of, you know, excessive consumption of this sweet sugary nothingness that left mm -hmm. them spiritually fattened and just, oh, oh, oh. it was like, such a strange vision. And I came out of it and immediately my heart just broke. Mm. And I thought, Lord, you just showed me two spiritual realities in this church environment. And I would say even in many contexts, the big C church environment of everyone coming to consume from the, the, um, 
<laughs> digested and then spit out intimacy that one person has spent with the Lord wow. and coming to the trough to consume from this same source, mm -hmm. but it's leaving some absolutely emaciated and it's leaving others gluttonously fattened up with mm -hmm. the wrong things. And I just realized, whoa, I am starving. I would have been, if I had looked down in that vision, one of the lionesses, but just ribs exposed. And I said, Lord, this can't be it. This can't be it for your people. I was seeing spiritually oppressed people, either disengaged and inactive from the sugary gluttonous consumption of, of feel good gospel of nothingness or emaciated crying out for more, but not being fed and not being reminded of their identity as a lion, a lioness in the kingdom of God. And so I remember sitting at my kitchen table that night and just weeping. I was just weeping. And my mom was sitting there helping me and Jeremiah was, you know, in, in and out as well. Karen and I just realized, Lord, I'm starving. I can't do milk anymore. I know there's more to you. There's more, there's meat. There's a different call. This can't be the fullness of the Christian, of the Christ following experience. And um, I just began to pray in that moment, Lord, whatever it is that needs to be pulled away, pull it off. Whatever veils you need to lift, lift them. Whatever I need to navigate and allow to be deconstructed and the foundation relayed rightly and built upon do so. And my, my only prayer in that time was like, Lord, please give me humility, greater and greater humility, because I know by the spirit of God, you are stirring something in me that this is not the fullness of what it means to follow you. And I'll be darned if I come into the imprisonment of this by the spirit of religion and miss my righteous King who is uh, living and dwelling in his people. And mm -hmm. So it just began a journey. He began to send people. I mean, God's so faithful. When we ask for the right things, especially, he's like, he just sends and um, became, began to be discipled by a couple of the parents of the friend of mine who were just on fire, just Holy Spirit filled. He began to heal areas of wounds. He began to open my eyes to um, what man has made of him. Uh, he began to prophetically unpack the word more of how the old prophesies the new and what we saw in the old is actually just being repeated in the new, mm. what he came to rebuke in his first coming. Uh, we just kind of tried to rebuild and he's coming with fire in his second yeah. coming. I mean, uh, he just transformed everything and it's been a, it's been a journey. It's been about two and a half years of allowing him to just pull back layers. And I remember this past October, he just called, uh, he, he began to overwhelm me out of the blue, just day after day. It was one of those fire hose seasons of the spirit, just speaking and moving. And he just said, return to my heart, return to my heart, return to my heart. And um, in saying, and yes, Lord, guide me there, take me there. Um, he began to actually give context too for much of that uh, unsettledness I was feeling or structural issue I was seeing and 
sort of showing historical elements, he began to call us to the origin, the origin of all things. Return to my heart and begin to weigh everything you're doing, everything you're saying, everything you're believing, weigh it against my word. Basically, take accountability for your own faith and for your own experience and seek me to understand what I actually intended when I called you all my ecclesia, my body, my church. And, um, you know, weigh that against what you're seeing. And, man, it's been transformational. It is overwhelmed. And he, all of that timing, I'm so grateful we listened and pressed in and allowed him to disorient because it's so timely in preparation for the very times upon us now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I could continue on for five hours. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I suppose I should let you guide some way because I could. Yeah, yeah you know, go down many different trails sort of Mm -hmm. explaining, but in this hour, in this time, oh, yeah, the Lord is calling those back to the purity of his heart. You know, what happened if we look Old Testament to this very moment is that the Lord, first and foremost with Adam and Eve, he gave one, one rule. (laughs) Don't, don't take from this you have all of me oneness with him intimacy with him imagine the full and unimpeded connection with the spirit of god this is what we knew in our perfect state in the garden and then because we uh sin entered in and we couldn't abide that expression of complexity have to come to guide the heart of man and ultimately his law given Um, But the desire was always that they would see his heart through his law Mm -hmm. and that, that uh, his law would transform the way his people lived, that they would know him by, by the means of this. And what did we do? We were confused. We rebelled. We wondered. And eventually over time through the old, we began to build these hierarchical systems that essentially when Jesus hit the scene, it was leaving the people of God, the very ones whom he loved his people spiritually oppressed. There was a hierarchical system of those who seemingly at that time held the worldly power, the um, nearer access to God, and that wasn't leveraged for the benefit of the body. It was leveraged in a power structure that actually oppressed the people. And so Jesus comes and tears the whole thing down. Mm -hmm. He says, this is not it. You've missed my heart in all of this. And the heart of man has so defiled this that my people are held captive under both um, the the, the state, but also under the religious, Mm -hmm. under that structure that man had uh, tried to define themselves and ultimately missed the heart of God in. And so Jesus comes and he tears the whole thing down and he gives his Holy Spirit and says, you are my temple. You are my body, Mm -hmm. my spirit, the same that indwells in me, that indwelled in Moses, that indwelt like the spirit of God. I will write my laws on your heart and you will be my people. Now go make disciples. And it was this wild and mysterious and organic and spirit-led fire that came upon those who followed him that in many ways, man, I just think of the, I think of the disciples, the apostles, when the spirit first fell, how disorienting. (laughs) It didn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense to our flesh. Mm -hmm. Yet very quickly we see the gospel go out 
and a repetition occurred. God's written the laws on the heart and, and redefined what he always meant of his people being his very temple. And it goes out, but very quickly, very shortly later in history, we always, as people, want to be able to define and box and control and understand. And so we began to rebuild the very same hierarchical system that he had deconstructed. And you see that in sort of the clerical order that was formed, the way the word was taken and sort of twisted. And, and uh, again, man built this hierarchical system of uh, access to God, mm-hmm. even though Jesus says in the word, I am your head covering. Right. I, I am the head of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, you know, deacons or, or elders are spoken of, it's always in a plural form. And when the gifts or the offices are designated, it is the great revelation that every single person carries one of these assignments can, the gifts can manifest through, but we instead tried to make sense of it with our minds, again, our flesh, and ultimately built sort of the same system, this hierarchical deal that spiritually oppressed the people. And Uh, you know, the Reformation occurred. And in many ways, that was wonderful and great and, you know, brought fresh life. But there were things, it wasn't a clean break. We still brought things in that ultimately, um, I don't feel were it yet to the fullness. And then unfortunately, over time, this full circles back to sitting in that area, uh, in that, you know, service. Um, I realized we're, we're actually still a spiritually oppressed people. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting amongst people who don't even realize what it means that they carry the spirit that God wants to work in and through them. We always see someone else as having more intimacy or better understanding. And yes, there are gifts of teachers, of, of, of shepherds, of those who prophesy, you know, there are unique things, but we're a body to work together. Mm -hmm. And, um, man, it's just been sort of gut punch, but then also sort of like the fire punch of like, ah, set my people free, like speak the fullness of truth because yes, the gospel came for the least or the lost. What a shame that many of those sit in the religious, you know, structure and are still the least and the lost, though they don't realize. And, um, man, I just, I know God is desiring a a waking of the sleepers, a rising up of dry bones. Those, this word was written to his people, to his body as well. And so, uh, so much of this is, is very applicable to the very people who are following him. And, you know, if we look even in Revelation 2, um, it speaks, you know, we see the letters to the churches and the commendations as well as sort of the rebukes and corrections. And we see in the letter to the church of Ephesus, what a mention of, uh, but what I do have for you is you hate the work of the Nicolaitans, just as I hate the work of the Nicolaitans. Well, if you break that down, yes, they were a, a historical people that were you know, given to sexual immorality as well as food offered to idols. And so we can see their historical significance, but we also understand if it's being spoken of in Revelation, there is a, a spiritual layer of that that's moved sort of all through time. And uh, if you break that word down, uh, that Nicolaitan, Nico is to conquer, and the Laetan, it's the people. 
so to conquer the people and he's saying i hate the work of the nicolaitans and i have this for you that you you hate it too and it is a man when he brought that revelation like the way that even in our you know reformed form we're still missing pieces and still functioning in a model that we've learned and we've watched and we've carried in by tradition or by human by flesh understanding yeah in an attempt to understand the structure he gave in the word too i'm not saying free for all there's no structure at all like the word's yeah. very clear but the way it's used to spiritually conquer there would be many lining the rows, the pews, who then a pandemic splits up what can happen within a building. And they're like a sheep without a shepherd. Well, if we knew the good shepherd, we would realize no matter what comes, yep. we have the, the guidance of the very still small voice that we are always intended to know intimacy with, oneness with, mm -hmm. guidance by, and revelation of what he wants to do in and through us, his yeah. temple, his mm -hmm. people. And um, sorry, that was like a 30 minute answer to, no, <laughs> to a single question, but I get so fired up on the matter yeah. because it's been, you know, to many, this pandemic is like, please let us just, it's inconvenient to not be able to do what we know. And I'm <laughs> like, I've looked around at my community and people have come alive in the spirit, alive in what it means to be the body. And I just long for that for every person who would profess Christ as Lord, that it wouldn't just be proclamation with the lips and then sliding into tradition that leads us, you know, a few years in of like, this ain't it. I'm dry. I'm burnt out. I'm dead. Like, mm -hmm. and many leave the church apostasy. I'm like, wow, if we would press in, I want everyone to know believer and non-believer alike, like come and drink of this living water. Yeah. It truly becomes a spring within us that doesn't stop flowing because when you've really encountered the spirit of the living God and been not just acquired it, but also prayed for the activation of it. Oh, he just flips our worlds upside down. He walks in and flips every table in the temple of what we thought we knew. Mm -hmm. And it's truly what it means to know freedom indeed and know a flame that doesn't expire, that doesn't burn out. Um, so. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think um, so. A lot of what you shared, I was hearing it, and I was connecting it a lot to First John two, where it's talking mm -hmm. about um, to not love. So First John two two fifteen says, "Do not love the world or the things yeah. in the world. Even if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all mm -hmm. that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride and possessions, is not from the Father." but it's from the world and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I connected that because you kept saying that God is calling us to his heart. Right. Mm -hmm. So he's not calling us to love the world. He's calling us to love him. Mm -hmm. And in turn, we will, our, our flesh won't like take over and make, and make these decisions for us. Right. We will have the Holy spirit to guide us and really ignite that fire in us. Um, and then we, our churches will look like God's, God's church and not the world. Because what happens right. often, I feel like, based on the things you were sharing too, is that in some ways the world fall, um, the church falls into looking like the world, right? right. The services or, or sermons trying to be so applicable that it's mm -hmm. like it becomes not different than like a TED Talk. <laughs> right, right, right. That like the world provides. And a TED Talk is great, very informational, educational. But we're trying to ignite the Holy Spirit <laughs> with right. people. At least that is what I would hope that the church is trying to do. Um, yeah. 
and and that is what the gospel does right like that is what the message of the gospel does and that is what loving god does mm-hmm. first um because then we acknowledge that oh we are actually sanctified we are right. actually different we are even if it makes us look weird even if we sound kind of crazy um we're supposed we're supposed to sound we're supposed crazy. to yeah <laughs> well literally the text said at one that my uh i can't think of the specific citation she shared it the other day and i'm flipping through and saw it like man it's that that we would look like failures to the world if we look like failures to the world or foolish to the world so mm-hmm. be it right and i just i think back i mean exactly to what you were saying i realized one of the biggest layers to that spiritual burnout and i had to move into a season of deep repentance and sort of revelation of how i was coming into agreement with these things but um I was out, like I said, when all of this hit, I'd been out ministering different church, different service and seeing how much really the church functioned just like the marketplace and how much there was a celebrity culture and influence culture that has so permeated the, the gatherings that I, when you want to talk about being left spiritually dry, when you're backstage praying in the spirit, getting a fresh word from the Lord, come out, minister it to the people. I mean, you're pouring sweat by the end, overwhelmed by the spirit of God. And it's step off and people be like, can I get a picture with you? Can, what's your Instagram handle? And I'm like, come to our book table. Like the, what we had made even of the authority model and the messaging, like you said, has so tailored and catered to move with the world that in some places, I believe the spirit of God departed. Mm-hmm. There were places I'd go and the spirit of the Lord was not present. And it might've been the biggest, flashiest, best looking conference, all the right energy, all the right man-made production that someone might be present and moved by the music and thinking, oh, this is an encounter with the spirit. But if you're spiritually in tune, you know, the spirit of the Lord was not mm-hmm. here. We should like, leave change. <laughs> like, right. We should leave change. Yeah. Not like at like, the end of honestly of a service or anything, I should be like, wow, um, I need to reevaluate my whole life, you know, kind of thing. Right. Like, it's not like, the spirit. like, no, go home and journal <laughs> or like, right. you know, like there's something that needs to be processed now because you were just shared the word of God and the word of God is is powerful and and a mm-hmm. and a lot and it's not something to just yeah. be passively hearing or in taking and even that word you said consuming right this consumerism yeah. of the word of god like it's a bedtime story like this is let's let's get into it right let's right, really right. talk about it and and not it just be something that it was the interpretation of the speaker on that stage but right. what is what is the holy spirit speaking to you based on your current circumstance perhaps right right like we have exactly. access to that it's not i think sometimes we think we don't have access to that but we do mm. yeah yeah and it's so it's so beautiful it's like you said the, the word says that, that it's like a double-edged sword sharper than a double-edged sword able to divide bone from marrow this is the spirit of god moving through the word of god that is fashioned and formed to literally carry out heart surgery on us like we should be pierced by the word of god but the reality is that that's not always comfortable that doesn't always make us happy that compels us to repentance girl when i started sharing words on repentance at the beginning of COVID, i can't tell you how my inbox blew up with 
theological debates of repentance is just a one-time thing and how oh, could wow. you say that da, 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 da. I sat there looking at my phone like <laughs> are we reading the same bible wow. I've got I've gotten questions of like what I, what does sanctification you're losing me don't talk about sanctification don't talk about the the refining elements I'm like but the text <laughs> says bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The, the, the text says that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. Yes, our teacher, of course, but also our convictor. Also the light that then shines into the darkness, that the darkness has not overcome it. So as to expose the very sin that still has strongholds in us, that still, you know, it is deep in there. His his spirit comes like a double-edged sword, not to pierce us and wound us and kill us. No, he comes like a heart surgeon. He comes in order to cut out that which is not of him, that which is infecting us, that which he desires and knows by the power of his blood, by the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, Jesus. Deliverance can come of these things, that we aren't Christians made to cope. We're yeah. Christians to, to, he's come to set the captives free. And the, the permeation in all of these subtle ways of the messaging, of the emphasis, of the focus, we've lost the reverent fear of God. We've lost the, the willingness and desire to die to ourselves, to be uncomfortable. We don't even want to be shaken or shifted, <laughs> much less like be drawn to our faith. What does the scripture talks about the difference in true repentance that is of godly sorrow, not just like the woes of man, right. the tears oh, of I'm man so that don't like, <laughs> okay. What? No, people are like, I'm so sad I sinned. And I'm like, Oh, okay. What, what is that? Now what? Right. Like <laughs> how does that actually look in your life and in action and in your, how you, how you show up differently, right? Like it's literally right. transformation. Right. Right. But the beauty too is like, man, those words can seem like, whoa, I don't know if I want to navigate that, but it's the very revelation in the humility and the willingness to navigate what is hard, but holy mm -hmm. is actually the very place we come into greater revelation of who he is, of how much deeper, wider his love stretches. Like it's the very place that we actually learn to trust him oh that was a sword that was painful that pulled up all the muck and mire god but the breakthrough the outpouring the healing like we focus so much sometimes on the cost of following christ we forget our eyes should be fixed on the great gain right. spiritual life and life abundantly freedom yeah. and there's so many people who we, we raise our voices with this rally cry of freedom, but the, the actual battlefield in order for it to be obtained, we would rather stay in prison. We would rather cower in that prison cell. And he's saying, I, I, the work is finished on what is, is necessary for your emancipation, but you can, the invitation is to co-labor with him in those efforts to know intimacy with him. And it's like, I, I equate it, God sort of opened my eyes a lot to the fullness of the gospel, I guess, through the prophetic picture of uh, relationship, of marriage, of sanctifying, refining love. Mm. Because ultimately, uh, we know that Adam and Eve stood before God naked and unashamed in the garden, fully yeah. vulnerable, fully there, 
fully whole and fully in communion and oneness with God. Well, the very institution of marriage is prophetically given to us to, to um, share the full and dynamic nature of his gospel as we navigate it with another. And I mean, I could unpack whole layers to this very, very piece, but I think of even physical intimacy that was given to us to prophesy the fullness of gospel of the gospel mm-hmm. that ultimately in this sanctifying, refining love, we would stand naked and unashamed before one another. And that in intimate communion and coming together, we would bear good fruit. Yeah. This is the very gospel message of he's saying, I want all of you. And how like oftentimes my body's changed three kids deep, like stretch marks, <laughs> things shift. There's so much that we would wants to make us jump under the covers and hide, right? Like we don't want to be seen spiritually. We don't want to be seen, Mm -hmm. but yet his love, he draws near as we draw near to him. And he's saying, no, I see you just as you are, but I love you and I am with you. And what happens, I mean, rhythmically in a marriage, when you consistently continue to show up for one another and receive one another and love one another, no matter, you know, the emotional or physical or whatever, um, scars and marks and pain, like that consistent rhythmic intimacy is the very thing that can't change my stretch marks, yet somehow they change my heart, that my husband still draws near and desires me and that, that, that there is still intimacy known that is so much more than just physical, it's mental, emotional, spiritual. I'm like, whoa, by the spirit of God, this is how you love us. That if we would press in, love is not always feel good, comfortable, wonderful. Sometimes we have to hash stuff out. Sometimes we have to be called up. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's real. Mm -hmm. It's real and dynamic. But at the end of the day, Christ is always and forever going to be faithful to uphold his part of the covenantal marriage as he sees us as his bride and he is our bridegroom. Mm -hmm. He's always there. He's always uh, committed to to that covenant and the ultimate goal on heaven or on earth as it will be in heaven because what it will be one day in heaven uh, is to be able to stand naked and unashamed before him spiritually yeah and say you've seen me and you've known me and your love has refined me and that is when we come to encounter even that uncomfortable piercing sometimes even that surgery even that working through the muck and the mire That's where we encounter his great love and kindness and where we understand the scripture that says perfect love casts out all fear, that we would not stand in fear on the day of judgment, but that we would know there would be a great joy and excitement for it because we've laid bare and laid prostrate before the father here in this time on earth. We've known intimacy and oneness with the spirit of God here and now that has transformed us and we delight for the eternity to come not like terrified. I would rather wrestle through the terrifying feelings or, you know, the discomfort or the pain of what his word actually pierces in me. I don't want to be padded up and fed gummy bears when I go to dig into the word or hear from another. I want what is actually in the end going to transform and change me more into the likeness of Christ. And we got a lot of flesh to be, to die to, (laughs) a lot to be cut out to really be like the firstborn of many brethren, our Messiah, our savior. Mm -hmm. And so it's dynamic. It's a lot. 
And I think what you were sharing about like this being a goal, right? Like mm-hmm. going into this relationship with the Lord, the, going into the word with the goal really of, of wanting to be um, cut up in order for like mm-hmm. what God wants to come out of us. And, and that is not of him to remain within us and for yeah. the other things to remove. But it, it's a, it's an op- being open to, to do yeah. that, but also having a desire. Because I think if you're just open, there might be still a, um, a hesitation, a, even mm-hmm. like not a fullness that you we approach God's throne with. But if there's yeah. also, I actually desire, Lord, for breakthrough. I desire to know you more. I desire mm-hmm. to walk sanctified. Hey, y'all, just want to let you know, this is part one of a two-part episode with Mo Isom. It was an incredible, rich conversation, and we get to have a long conversation with her. So make sure you subscribe to stay tuned for the next one that we put out. Ladies, I pray that conversation blessed you and that you're able to apply some things you heard or learned to your continued growth on your faith journey. Share any thoughts or testimonies you have by leaving us a review and make sure you subscribe. Meet us here next week for another episode of Yes and Amen. And if you don't already, follow us on Instagram at The Full Garden to learn more about our growing community.